Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corbin Heller. And uh, we're coming to you on Sunday, December 22nd. We're about to roll into the uh, the big holidays of the year. Christmas and New Year's coming up. You ready, Corwin? Uh, I'm actually very ready for the holidays. It's, uh, yeah. It should be a good time. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm ready to, to not be at my office much anymore. <laughs> so, I completely agree. Yeah, much better not doing that and getting up in the morning to work. Because you know what? They pay you anyway. <laughs> Great part about being a salaried employee, they pay you whether you go in or not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk about some sports, shall we? Yeah, let's do those sports. All right, so let's talk about some of the um, baseball things that happened just to, to get that, I guess, kind of out of the way. Let's start with, uh, actually, let's start with the MLB Umpires Association. Um, they have preliminarily agreed to uh, possibly, I'm trying to add as many conditioners as I can, uh, possibly work with robo-umps at some point in the future. That would be a big step. Yeah. So what what do you think about that, J- just in, in an immediate reaction to it? Um. I like that they are willing to at least be open to innovation, that they're open to the idea. I know we've seen it in, you know, the minor league somewhat here and there. Um, but hopefully this is them saying, all right, we're not perfect. We have to finally admit that. And then this is probably what's best for baseball. You know, like we're not going to jump right into it. We're going to be cautious about it because that's our due diligence. But we are at least going to be open to the idea of having this. I, I, Sorry. I think it's actually a much more selfish reason for them agreeing to it. Why is that? So if the MLB was like, uh, I'm just getting paid too much. We're going to slash your salaries in half or whatever. Or yeah, like literally any other um, demand. We don't like that you guys have too much, so much power. We're going to, we're going to fire half of the umpires and bring up minor league ones. Well, the, the problem with that is like the umpires that are in baseball right now are probably like the best of the best. There's probably a few guys here and there who can be changed out for better ones, like Angel Hernandez, CB, <laughs> CB Buckner, Joe West, like you know the guys you know. But like by and large, those are probably the best umps throughout you know the minor leagues and major leagues of baseball working in MLB. So it. There's, if they went on strike, they have all the leverage. It'd be the replacement refs in the NFL again. It would be awful. Mm-hmm. So the MLB doesn't have any grounds to really... They have no leverage because they can't afford to have a strike zone get worse or calls get worse to the degree that they would. But if there's robo-umps and you could put you know, a guy who knows what's happening but might not have like the greatest concept of strike zone... Um, you could put him back there, give him the buzzer thing that tells him if it's a if it's a ball or a strike, and just let him call it, and he'll do fine. As we saw with uh, various tests in the minor leagues, where they gave, I remember I saw one video where they gave, uh, I think like an actor or some shit, just a random dude, a buzzer, and let him call balls and strikes, and it went fine. It went a okay. Um, granted, it would get more complicated if he had to do something more complicated, like uh, there was a play at the plate, and he had to call it. 
you know, or uh, deciphering between fouls and and non-contacted swings or what have you. But regardless, it, it really, really bridges the gap in, in skill and talent between the current major league umps and their minor league counterparts to the point where the MLB umpires union striking ain't really much of a threat anymore. So I think coordination moving forward is the only play they really have if they want to maintain the power dynamic that they have in uh, negotiations and in baseball itself. I'm very upset that you thought of the perfect way MLB could make, you know, improving the game of baseball a selfish and shitty, you know. God damn it. Now I now I don't even know if I want robo ups any, robo umps anymore, you know? Oh, I still do. Fuck that shit. <laughs> uh until robo umps get programmed to have egos and are willing to, you know, kick out players for the most random bullshit, then uh, you know, that'll be a different story. But until then, I am I'll still be a fan of theirs. Yeah, I honestly think that at the end of the day, as long as if the Umpires Association just says, look, keep all of my guys employed um, and we're good, I, I think that they take that, you know, like if the number of umps and their pay and their union strength all stayed the same and the only thing they like changed was uh, the home plate ump that day has a little bit less to do. I th- I think the umps would be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Um, so if should we do an episode on all the best like fights with umpires? Now that you know they're never going to be working in baseball ever again, not a single at bat. <laughs> uh oh, for for sure, a lifetime highlight reel of all the greatest ejections. It's just it's just basically an all Earl Weaver and Bobby Cox episode. <laughs> who was the uh who was the the coach of the Orioles? Buck Showalter. He has Buck, some good yeah. fights in there. Buck Buck was but uh Earl Weaver is the best because he had like he had the cigarette pockets sewn into his uniform. Like how do you compete with that? I know I've seen videos of Earl Weaver doing that. I just don't know Earl Weaver well enough to be able to like pick them out of my brain like off the top of my head the most famous one is where he just keeps bouncing from from ump to ump as they have already booted him from the game just keeps going from ump to ump pointing in their faces and going you fucked me you came here today to fuck me <laughs> <laughs> who stole second base oh that was i think that was a pirates manager ah shit i should know that yeah, I think I think I think it was a pirates manager at some point or player or something. Yeah, just took <laughs> took second base, threw it into the the fucking clubhouse steps in the in the dugout. Yeah, uh, McClendon from the Pirates. Yeah, that was that's a great video. All right. Well, well there was that Mets manager who got who got uh, ejected from the game and then came back in disguise. Yeah, and the mustache. Oh. Yeah. Lloyd McClendon was the uh, Pirates manager. Oh, God, I fucking love baseball. <laughs> I really, now that, you know, oh, by the way, I have graduated college. That happened yesterday. Woo! Yeah. So now that, you know, I have all the time in the world on my hands, I'm going to be able to come up with crazy, weird episodes like going over fights with, you know, managers and ups. 
I, that's exactly what you should be spending your uh, your golden years doing, my friend. Oh yeah, I don't know how much time I got left, but I'm gonna get real weird with it. <laughs> As you fucking should. <laughs> um, I thought I had something else to say, and I didn't. You want to talk? <laughs> you want to talk about Dallas Keuchel? Yeah, let's talk about Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel, aka why? Why did the Angels do this? <laughs> um, Dallas Keuchel slash what the fuck is wrong with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim? So that yeah, no, definitely true. <laughs> so Dallas Keuchel has signed a three-year, fifty-five point five million dollar contract with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, it includes a vesting option for a fourth year, which would make it into a four-year, seventy-four million dollar contract, which uh, is a very, very reasonable amount of money. Oh yeah, I feel like this is a great deal for both groups, both parties. Dallas yeah. Keuchel. Finally gets more than a one-year deal, and the White Sox get a pitcher who can just chew through innings. It's very effective. You know They have the defense to support him, and they're not paying out the ass to get him. No, and this comes on the back. I don't, I don't think we talked about it, but the White Sox also signed um, Gio Gonzalez to a one-year contract earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so earlier this offseason, I suppose. So as of right now, uh, their official depth chart is definitely not been updated on um, on their website since it says their starting rotation is Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, something Dylan. Cease, Dylan and Cease. Dylan Cease and Dylan Covey, you know, the Dylans of Chicago. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that means that the rotation should, in theory, be some combination of Lucas Giolito, Gio Gonzalez, Dallas Keuchel, Reynaldo Lopez, and then starter number five, and mm-hmm. it'll be that. Six. That's not that's not a bad rotation, honestly. Michael Kopech, that's who the fifth star is going to be. Michael Kopech. Oh, very true, very true. Dude, that's like not a bad rotation. That's a rotation that will not actively lose you games. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of potential here with Giolito, Lopez, Cease, Kopech being, you know high high ceiling guys you know arguably some have also significantly low floors like ronaldo lopez but bringing in a guy like dallas keichel who will be like be able to keep this afloat he'll be there you know their buoyancy almost gio gonzalez is that you know veteran arm they have a ton of potential to have a really great rotation and with the rest of the you know team that they put together this could be a you know a competing team this year this really could. Gio Gonzalez is a very under the radar signing. He, yes. how many innings do you think he pitched in 2019? Ooh, uh, he was hurt. F- maybe like 50 or 60. Yeah, pretty close. 87.1. It's actually a lot more than I thought. 87.1. Um, so for him, that's like that's less than half a season, just about uh, yeah. compared to what he usually puts up. He's usually like a 175 to 200 inning guy. And right. he still put up a you know 1.7 WAR, which is fine. Uh, lifetime WAR of 29.2, uh, lifetime ERA of 3.6, lifetime WHIP of 1.315, lifetime FIP of 3.65. Like very, very in line with his ERA. He's by all accounts like a like a nice, decent third, fourth starter. Yeah, and I mean, was, that's good. what they signed him for. Like, obviously, he's getting older. He's not going to be nearly as effective as he was, you know, back in the day. But at the same time, if 
they really only need him to be kind of a bridge between this season, getting the you know the next guys, the Kopex, the Ceases, uh, ready to take over full time rotation spots. He's perfect for that because it's it's not a lot of money at all. You know he could be pretty consistent when he's up there, and at the end of the day, he's going to get the job done, and that's what you need from him. Yeah, yeah, it's such a good basic signing. Uh, real quick, you mentioned his age, and I realized I didn't know how old he was. Um, how old do you think he is? Uh, I got to say he's like 34. 34 on the dot. Yeah, I'm the smartest person. I get a degree, and I turn into the smartest person alive. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why 34, I guess, is the right age that I would have guessed him as being, but for some reason it still feels somehow older and younger than I thought he was going to be. <laughs> Love it. Like, it's too, it's too on the nose. It should have been one or the other. Um, and then, uh, then like as we said, Dallas Keuchel, it, he was once a top-of-the-rotation guy for the Astros back in his, I guess you could say, heyday which also included weaker Astros rotation. So, yes. you know, those two things put together puts him at the top of it. But he is still a very effective pitcher. He still started meaningful playoff games. Well, I guess every playoff game is meaningful. Started playoff games for the Braves just this past offseason or this past um, uh, October. And here he is getting a contract he certainly deserves with a team that certainly needs it. And, I mean, I, I am just infatuated with this team right now. I... As we all know, for a while. yeah. As we all know, I have a, a weird liking of the uh, Chicago White Sox, and this year they might actually put a thing or two together. <laughs> uh, like, like, here, here's here's the, their, their here's their. Uh, I'm, I'm going to read you the lineup real quick. All right, it's it, mm-hmm. the playing catcher, Yasmani Grandal. First base, Jose Abreu. Second base right now is uh, Nick Madrigal. Uh, that's a little bit, you know. Eh. Third base, Yon Moncada. He's, he's a he's okay. Okay. I'll keep going. Um, nah, I mean, oh. third base, Yon Mankata, shortstop, Tim Anderson, left field, Eloy Jimenez, center field, Luis Robert, uh, right field, Nomar Mazzara, DHing, Zach Collins, and then a starting rotation of Lucas Gilito, Dallas Keuchel, Reynaldo Lopez, Michael Kopech, and Gio Gonzalez. That's, that's a really not, good team. That's, yeah, that shit ain't fucking, that's like at least a 500, like at least a 500 team. Like that honestly, team will win at least eighty-one games if they can get you know a a guy that's not Nomar Mazzara. Like no offense against him, but he doesn't exactly excite me um, in right field. That's easily a competing team in the next you know three four years. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. If yeah, if they can, there's a there's a couple a couple weak spots. I, I also would like to see them change out Zach Collins um, at DH, but you know. Plenty of time for that to happen. Plenty of time for people to break out within their organization. Like, yeah, it's just cool shit. Oh, they have so much potential in that organization. Like, their prospect pool is phenomenal. Yeah, which means it's good for them to either have someone who breaks out or they have trade a, bait for a different, different, uh, different guy. They have uh, Andrew Vaughn that could take over uh, DH for Zach Collins uh, fairly soon, who was a you know Golden Spikes winner in college. Um, and was like the third overall pick in the draft this year. So superstar potential for him. Yeah. Plus like their position players can all so readily DH because they're all fine mm-hmm. defensively. But like, if you have a guy that you want to go acquire, like 
they would never because of the situation. But like, let's say an Anthony Rendon style person was up there who's like a phenomenal third baseman, a, th- a phenomenal defensive player and bat. Like, you have enough okay defenders that like just just throw him in DH. You know, like let 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 that guy play the position. Just just throw Jose Abreu at DH. Just throw Yo Makata at DH. It doesn't fucking matter much. Hmm. Um, this Honestly, yeah, no, this is good. I kind of see uh, you know Abreu's getting older too. Like they could easily you know bring in Vaughn to play first base like he uh, was drafted to, and then just have Abreu be a phenomenal hitter at DH for the next couple of years. Which I'm but sure yeah, they, 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 they that's their plan. Yeah, and they definitely have you know options around the uh, the bases to really switch things up. So I want to now talk about this from the Angels side of things because what the fuck is wrong with them? You're going to tell me that the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who just spent $245 million on a, on a third baseman, which was was it an area of need? Sure. Was it anywhere near the top of the list? Absolutely not. And they couldn't spend $60 million on Dallas Keuchel over three years? Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all it would have been. $60 million. That's only $4.5 million than the White Sox paid for him. I can't like, believe they didn't have that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast plenty about how we love the Anthony Rendon signing because it's finally a commitment to start competing, to build talent around Mike Trout. But can we honestly like argue that this might have bankrupted them as a team? Because they're not doing anything uh, outside of that signing. And it's it's maddening. How much do you think the Gio Gonzalez contract was for? Oh my god, nothing. One year, five million dollars. Fuck. Did they get a, a throw in where uh, you know he's gonna pay himself to fill up the vending machines in the clubhouse? Oh, of course, of course. No, I don't want my guy spending a dollar on sodas. Um, <laughs> like no, so they they did sign Julio Teheran, which which I like. It was it's a one year, nine million dollar deal, so it's still just a flyer, which is fine. One-year deals should not be an issue for a team because there's just no commitment to it, and they're usually pretty cheap. Like it, it really shouldn't be a thing uh, that 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 they have to worry about. So the fact that they wouldn't sign, all right, great. You signed Julio Tehran. You signed no one else pitching wise, uh, starting pitching wise, at least to the best of my knowledge. So your current rotation is uh, Andrew Heaney, Julio Tehran, sometimes Shohei Otani, and then. A couple other, like a maybe, a, I don't know, what's the name of that? The uh, uh, Jaime Berea, Ooh, true. <laughs> um, and then like a, a, some bullpen days and 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 a lot of prayer, like a lot of prayer. Like if you throw Gio Gonzalez in there, it it it's still ugly, but it's better. And yeah. if you throw Dallas Keuchel in there, it's, it's not ugly anymore. Great. It's not great, but it's not ugly anymore. No, like if you threw Dallas Keuchel in and had it be Keuchel, Heaney, Otani, Bundy, Canny, that's a fantastic starting five in my mind. Right now, their rotation is in order. Andrew Heaney, Julio Tehran, Griffin Canning, Dylan Bundy, Patrick Sandoval. Yeah, that's so bad. Oh, my God. It's uh, so it's and- it's Jekyll and Hyde for uh, Angels. <laughs> Uh, guy forever in in Andrew Heaney. It's Braves cast off Hulu Tehran, which again I support, but still, 
um, it's Griffin Canning, which is just a, it's just a mystery. Uh, Dylan Bundy, who definitely is better than what he has been on the Orioles the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, the fact that he's a fourth starter on this team is not tells you what he is. Um, and then I genuinely don't know who Patrick Sandoval is. So uh, I do not either. Yeah, the, and uh, his name was Pablo. I'd know who he was, but I I almost read it as that honestly. Yeah. Um, but man, I just I can't get over how perfect Keiko would have been for this team. Like having Rendon and Andrelton Simmons on that left side, right side. I don't know which left side. Okay, left side of the diamond. My God, like that would be perfect for the kind of pitcher Keiko is. Like it's a team built around defense and that's exactly what um keiko thrives in yeah that and all the intangibles line up so well also because there's not really a veteran dude on the angels like andrew heaney i think is the most veteran person i guess dylan bundy is now but regardless a a veteran uh, guy with success who's won a world series ring he's been there he can bring a little bit of leadership good humor you know to the pitching staff because they have that in spades on the hitting side you know with Pujols and upton and whatnot and trout but you know it would have been really good for that staff to get a guy who like also has a good arsenal so he can like help work with some of the younger dudes on you know through how you throw some sneakier shit because he's not a guy who throws hard like there's a lot of advantages to having a dallas keichel on your team and they couldn't they could have had actual dallas keichel on their team (laughs) and they opted not to 60 million dollars that's 200 million they could have signed dallas keichel and lucas giolito and they would and it's 180 million fewer dollars than what they signed uh anthony rendon to that's filthy i know filthy and going by war, if 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 Dallas Keuchel and Lucas Giolito stay healthy an entire season, I would say that those two combined probably put up the same single season war that Anthony Rendon will. Because you got to figure Rendon's going to give you like anywhere between six and eight. You know, eight on like yeah. a really good year, six on a six on a fine year. And if you told me that Dallas Keuchel is going to throw up three and a half war. And Gio Gonzalez will throw up two and a half to get you to six. I'd say, yeah, that sounds fine. But based on where those six war are going to be in their positions, I would say that they should probably go with the pitches, pitching war because the pitching's awful. It's so bad. And they're killing Mike Trout. <laughs> they really are. It like I refuse to let Mike Trout go his career without a title. Like that He's would be, be a Ted goddamn Williams. shame. He's going to be our generation's Ted Williams. I fucking hope not, man. I really do. Except without the the war service time. Well, <laughs> you know, things are getting dodgy, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, there's not that many options left in the free agent pool for you know the Angels to sign to really get another guy. I mean, Hunjin Rusal out there, the big one. Uh, Taiwan Walker, Alex Wood, Jimmy Nelson, Ivan. Alex Nova. Wood. Oh, Alex Wood. I think would be a great signing for them. I agree. I think again that's when you're dealing with Hunjin Ru. Yeah, honestly, I bet. I bet they could get Hunjin Ru for like a pretty reasonable three-year deal with like, honestly, basically, um, 
a mildly more expensive and I mean mildly more expensive version than um the Dallas Keiko contract. Give him three years for the vesting option for the fourth year at like twenty million a year, you know? Like for Alex yeah. Wood? No, for a hundred row. Oh, okay. I was gonna say twenty million a year for Alex Wood. That is that's much higher than you can get him for. And then give Alex Wood a um a one year twelve million dollar contract with a uh team option for a second year at ten. He would take yeah. that. Oh, a hundred percent he would. In in my mind, that means nothing. He would take that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know what other options he's gonna have, but if someone offered me ten million dollars, I would take that. You know, you know who they should they should sign Rich Hill in his age forty one uh, season no, no, uh, no, to no. a nine year contract oh, no, no. worth uh, worth eight million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, sure, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen? Straight up, though, like if the if the Angels announce tomorrow that they've signed um, nine starting pitchers to one year deals and just let them figure it out in, sp- in spring training. Like imagine, imagine the Angels signed like, all right, I want to say eight, eight, eight starting pitchers, all at one year, five million con- dollar contracts, and said we're just going to figure out who wins in spring training. Would you even be upset? No, I would. I'd be thrilled. It. It's ingenious. So imagine, imagine it comes out that they sign. Uh, here are the eight pitch- the eight pitchers. These are actual free agents, um, who I think might be able to be gotten for a one-year, $5 million contract, a la Gio Gonzalez. Um, Ivan Nova, Jason Vargas, uh, Drew Smiley, Tyson Ross, Clay Buckholtz. Uh, how many was that? So that's one, two, uh, three, four, uh, five. Uh, number six, Taiwan Walker. Uh, number seven, uh, Matt Moore. And number eight, I'll say uh, Homer Bailey. Not the prettiest group, but honestly, no. the chances that one of them has a good year is, you know, finally getting healthy or whatever it may be, fairly decent. You guys couldn't, or not you guys, the, the Angels could find a guy who could just chew up some innings for them this year. Yeah, straight up, because that, that's really, people call one-year contracts like they take like a lottery on a guy. That's it. And you know what you gotta do when you when you play the lottery? You gotta play the numbers, man. <laughs> you gotta no one. You know it's 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 never gonna pay off for you if you go into the lottery. You go into your local bodega and you get a single lottery ticket. You gotta get ten of them shits. You know, <laughs> if you want to take a risk on a guy working out, and it's like a little bit dodgy, whether he will, like you know, is Clay Buckholtz gonna be okay in his age thirty five season? Probably not. But like, hey, he could That's have fine. a really weird three and a half ERA season where he, you know, is your third starter all year and somehow doesn't fuck it up. Like if you tell me that Jason Vargas weirdly has the best season of his career at age 37, uh, before disappearing into obscurity again, I'd go, Oh, that's fucking weird. But like, uh, sure. Why not? Or Tyson Ross, you could tell me any of these guys are due for one single good year somewhere. Right. I I could believe it because baseball's fucking weird. Sports is weird like that, you know. Mm-hmm. But hey, honestly, I I still think Rich Hill might be the Angels, you know, miracle maker. Guy's gonna be forty year forty years old, but had a 
two four five ERA last year. Fucking why not, dude? Gun it for the playoffs this year. Just see what happens. Uh, I I guess we'll just have to wait and see with these uh with these angels. Yeah. Hey, if they want to give me money, I'll pitch for them. There you go. Never pitched before, but sure. Yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> we'll play slow pitch softball together. God, what do you think? Uh, you know, the average OPS would be against me in Major League Baseball. Um, four thousand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone. Every for single home. one is out of the park. All right, I'll take yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think a nice goal for me would be to keep it under three thousand. But you know, if it ends up being four, sure. That'll be a cool little uh, anecdote in MLB history, and I'd be happy to play that part. Shall we talk about some football, my friend? Yeah, let's talk about some football. Where do you want to start? I want to start with the Rams. Let's do it. Uh, The Rams have been eliminated from the playoffs. Yes, they have. It's So right now, uh, the division leaders uh, are the Philadelphia Eagles at 7-7. Tied in record with the Dallas Cowboys at seven and seven. Tragic. Um, the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, eleven and three. The NFC South, the New Orleans Saints at eleven and three. And these in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers at twelve and three. Um, the wildcard teams as of right now, the Minnesota Vikings at ten and four, the Seattle Seahawks at eleven and three, and the Rams eight and seven. Cannot compete for a wild card spot. They have been eliminated. Like, oh my god! It's, it's Jared Goff. It, it's, it's purely Icarus. Like they flew so high so quickly, and the fall was spectacular. And every player that they traded for just never really put it together with them. Yeah, I mean, it just Jalen Ramsey hasn't been playing super well. Brandon Cooks just has never been able to put it together. Um, honestly, their best signing that they didn't draft was Dante Fowler, who has been playing yeah. really, really good football, but is a free agent this year. Um, it's just there's there's just so many bad contracts on this team. So, all right, so here's some here's some stats for you. So, notable Rams 2020 dead cap: Jared Goff, fifty one million dollars. Aaron Donald, $41 million. Todd Gurley, 25.6. Uh, Brandon Cooks, 21.8. And Robert Woods, 4.3. That is a shit ton of money for five players yeah. that have been on various levels of underperforming. Um, Aaron Donald being the only one who is still so good even when he's underperforming that you really can't even include him in the argument. Um, but they also have a lot of pending free agents that they are not going to be able to resign that are holding their team together. Dante Fowler Jr., like we said, Andrew Whitworth, their left tackle and probably their best offensive lineman altogether. Um, I forget his first name, but Brockers, defensive tackle outside of Donald, their best defensive lineman. Corey Littleton, their best linebacker, and Greg Delegge Zerline, who is one of the best kickers in the entire NFL. I don't know how they're going to be able to re-sign half of these guys, let alone sign enough to stay competitive or even be competitive again. 
and they mortgage their future trying to build a dynasty and be so that they have no first round picks to speak of for they're like the Brooklyn Nets now with zero first round picks forever and have nothing to show for it but a Super Bowl berth, which is which is something, but at the end of the day, it's not enough. It's not even close to enough. Um, you know, if you make all those commitments and are able to win a Super Bowl, usually the ends justify the means. You know, like look at what happened with uh, the Eagles. Even though Carson Wentz wasn't the one to bring them to Super Bowl, he led them there, and you could definitely say that them trading up to get him was worth it. They traded, yeah, they traded up to get him. Yeah, yes, yeah. I don't know how you could look at what the Rams did with Jared Goff, not only trading up to get him, but re-signing him to the contract they did and can say, we went to the Super Bowl. This was this was all worth it. Uh, it's just, it's a damn shame. Who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Dak Prescott? Uh, first of all, I love this game. Um, and after seeing, if you asked me going into the season, I would have said Jared Goff, no question. Now I, I got to say it's Dak Prescott. He has improved so much. He has shown, you know, all the haters wrong. Um, and he looks like a, like a franchise quarterback, whereas Jared Goff looks like, a, looks like he's following in the footsteps of Jameis Winston, where, you know, he can put up the yards, he could put up the fantasy points, but... Man, he just he can't keep it together for the entirety of the game. Well, that brings me to my next question. Uh, who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Jameis Winston? <sighs> um, man, this one's tough. Jameis is such an enigma where he can win you a lot of games with his arm, but man, it's it's ugly and he could absolutely lose you those games as well. Um I feel like I, I'd have to have it be a toss-up. I don't know. Like it's it's really just a pick'em in this case. It's I love Jared Goff. I love his potential, but he just has never really shown that he could be a superstar quarterback. So I guess I'll go with Jameis. Why not? All right. Who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Josh Allen? I'd rather have Josh Allen. He adds a whole other dynamic with his legs. Um, he, honestly, he can't throw nearly as well as Jared Goff um, because Goff is still a very polished passer, uh, just not very consistent. Um, Allen also has those consistency issues, but he's basically a, a Cam Newton light. Um, and I would, I think the team would be a lot more dynamic uh, offensively if they had Josh Allen. Trying to think if I have any more. I'm not sure I do at the moment. Uh, oh, oh, right, one more. Who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield? Ooh, uh, I'd take Baker Mayfield. I think uh, I think a lot of the problems in Cleveland rely on their just absolutely atrocious offensive line and Freddie Kitchens being over his head, uh, being a head coach really for the first time. So. Uh, I think Baker could be a, a lot better with, especially with Sean McVay. Any one of those guys with Sean McVay, I would take in a heartbeat. Um, All right, uh, that that concludes this edition of uh, Who Would You Rather Have. Thank you for playing. Who would you do? Uh, 
shall we conclude with some Tom Coughlin talk? Or do we have, do we have anything else to say about the Rams missing the playoffs? Um, I mean, what are, what would, what would you be more surprised about the Rams missing the playoffs, which you know is happening, or are you talking like leading into the season? Yeah, yeah, sorry, the beginning of the season, the Rams missing the playoffs, or um, the Niners winning, possibly winning uh thirteen games. Ooh, um. I guess I'd have to say the Niners just because I knew they'd improve. I really like them to improve this year. But 13 games is a whole big, you know, that's a huge step up. So um, the Rams missing the playoffs in that division wouldn't be like a, a crazy wild situation as much as, you know, we all thought they'd comfortably win the division uh, just because we thought they'd be so good. But you know, we knew the 49ers would be good. We knew the Seahawks would be good. But uh, I would definitely say the Niners winning 13 games is a little more out there than the Rams missing. That's fair. Um, one final question on standing stuff. Do you think that the winner of the NFC East finishes above 500? The winner of the NFC I think they're going to finish at 500. What are what are the Cowboys at right now? 7 both teams are 7 and 7. Yeah, um yeah, I think uh actually I actually have it up right here. So the let's Eagles see. Eagles have... final two games um are oh wow, the Cowboys and the Giants, which Ooh, means that the so Cowboys last two games are the Eagles and the Redskins. Wow. Yeah, so Washington and Giants, I feel like those gimme wins so it comes down to this week 16 matchup damn um wow i guess i guess i would say dallas wins it well no because if they both beat washington and they both beat the giants one of them's gonna finish yeah the the, the lowest record that the winner of the division could have is eight and eight they cannot finish below eight and eight because someone's got to win the matchup against each other which puts one team at eight and seven guaranteed um and then even if they lose the next week it puts them in, unless they finish this game in a tie which would be hilarious and they go into week 17 7 7 and 1 and then lose week 17 and then both teams are 7 8 and 1 and then it just goes down a tie that oh corwin i want that to happen so bad now i want that so fucking bad oh my god um could you imagine you're you are the minnesota vikings you are 10 and 4 let's say you win you know your last couple you're you're 12 and 4 it was a great year you just missed winning the division against the 13 and 3 packers and you have to go to dallas and there are seven eight and one you you won five more games than them and it didn't matter i'm actually really upset that i am not like i didn't come home yesterday so that we could have watched this game and just gone off on hoping for a tie between these two because honestly if they tie i don't give a shit what happens next week in week 17 it it doesn't matter i want these teams to tie and just have a ridiculous tiebreaker so it's the uh, it's the 425 game. Do you think it should be the primetime game instead? Yes. I don't even know what the primetime game is, but it should Neither be. Neither do I. It should be this. 
Like, what other game has this high of stakes? No, no, no nothing I care about. Playing for like this is the division matchup right here. Oh when yeah, you're in. Yeah, a hundred percent. This is great. Uh, man, it's in God. Lincoln Financial. The link. All right. Maybe uh, I'll drive there. Shall we talk about uh, Tom Coughlin to close it out? Yeah. <laughs> I think Corwin's computer just died. Hey, Josh. Hey, buddy. Sorry. I thought I had a little more time to make it through the end. Ah, no worries. Um, so, shall we talk about Tom Coughlin to close out the show? We should talk about Tom Coughlin because I feel like this is kind of a big deal, uh, especially with everything going on with the Jags right now. Yeah. Uh, would you mind going through it for us? Yeah. So, uh, the Jaguars, uh, Shad Khan, uh, fired Tom Coughlin as the vice president of player personnel. Um, which is very significant, not just because it's Tom Coughlin, Hall of Fame coach and you know front office guy, but because of some of the uh, allegations and issues with uh, the NFLPA that the Jaguars have been facing. Um, essentially, what it's come down to, uh, the Jags have been fining players for missing mandatory appointments with a club trainer or physician uh, in the offseason before training camp um, for players that finished the season injured, despite the NFL CBA saying expressly that uh, teams are unable to force players to see team physicians or team trainers, team doctors and that they have the right to go see whoever they want in the offseason. Um, so a specific player was fined over $700,000 for missing, quote-unquote, mandatory appointments. Um, and then the uh, jointly appointed arbitrator rejected the Jaguars' arguments um, and settled it there. But the kicker with this is, uh, in the last two years more than 25% of the total grievances filed by NFL players in the entire league have been filed against the Jaguars. Which is ridiculous. fucking insane. There's 32 NFL teams, and more than than a quarter of them are at a specific team in front office. That is fucked. Just to emphasize it with numbers, that means that if there were 100 grievances filed, 
the other 31 teams, on average, two and a half were against each team. So you can round it down to two, call up to three, whatever floats your boat. And then two and a half per team, 25 to the Jaguars. <sighs> Literally 10 times as many to the Jaguars. It's it, it it's huge. Twenty five percent doesn't sound big, but it's fucking big. When the population size is you know that much larger, uh, it's it's a huge deal. Um, and we've heard issues about Tom Cough. Excuse me, about Tom Coughlin and his attempt at you know uh, just basically keeping order. Like he has his own way of doing things, and it's his way or the highway. Um, like all the clocks in the t- team buildings are set 10 minutes ahead of time because if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. That kind of philosophy. Um, and it's had various effects and various reactions from different people amongst the different teams he's been on. But in the past, he's built winning teams. He's won two Super Bowls coaching the Giants. Um and it just it didn't work out in Jacksonville. And honestly, I, I think this is it for him. I mean, he's a legendary coach and front office guy, but I don't I don't know how he can get back into the NFL after this. I say that, but the NFL is a boys club that we always talk about. So anything's fucking possible. Uh, I hate that. That's right. I really hate that. I was going to argue with that and I couldn't. Fuck. God damn it. Um, yeah, he, he should be done, though. He really should be this between his age mm. and this he should be done yeah it's uh it sucks because i i like tom coughlin uh yeah. by all means outside of this i thought he was a good coach and uh i was a fan of his but and he was a very sympathetic person at the what was considered the end of his career when he left the giants because he was forced out by the evil maras who were like really fucking with the whole organization they didn't handle it in the right way tom coffin was a very sympathetic figure when Mm -hmm. he uh when he left the giant when he was forced to leave the giants and and he is uh ending his career on a significantly more sour note yeah it's a shame but um you know what if it if this is what it takes to improve the nfl uh as a whole i I can't help but support it. Yeah, you do what you got to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you wanted to cover with this topic? Not with this, but uh, I do have a, a little update here. Perfect. Let's hear it. Uh, Nick Senzel has just hired Scott Boris to represent oh, him. <laughs> uh, another top prospect uh, for the Reds, center fielder, you know, could be one of the. He's essentially going to be the next Joey Votto, I think, if, you know, Juan Soto doesn't beat him there. Um, that's his ceiling, which would be super dope. I'm a big fan of his, obviously, but um, yeah, big deal. Scott Boris, man. Oh yeah, I had something pulled up about Scott Boris. I don't think we got to. Um, where was it? Uh, it's just the sheer volume of dollars that he is as um negotiating 936.5 million dollars worth of contracts this offseason. Just this offseason, yeah. That's- yeah. He is he is sixty four and a half mil sixty three and a half million dollars away from negotiating a billion dollars of contracts this offseason. Say and what a you billion will. Dollars, by the way, real, just real quick, a billion dollars at five percent commission. So oh, oh, buddy, wow, that's a lot of money. <laughs> 
say what you will about his, you know, tactics and the way he goes about his business and, you know, getting contracts from teams. My God, he gets the job done, though. He yes. knows what he's doing. Honestly, some people hate him because their teams pay a lot for their players, but Scott Boris is very good for baseball. Uh, yeah, I mean... Players getting paid to players is good for the baseball. I completely agree. It, uh, it, I know it, uh, it hurts when the contracts get dished out, and it always seems to be Scott Boris who represents the guys who get them, but... <laughs> Someone's got to be doing it, and he does a great job with what he does. So, if I was a baseball player, I would definitely sign him. Oh fuck yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I don't know why anyone wouldn't. That should absolutely Unless be you're your goal. and it kind of fucks you over a little bit, but whatever. Hey, uh, uh, apparently Scott Boris is very, very good at doing what the client tells him he wants to do. Okay. So not everything that the ball players sign is necessarily what Boris recommends. It's not just Boris getting what he wants to get and saying, all right, here you go, Mike. This is your contract. Sign it or don't. Yeah, I forget what instance that that came up in which I heard a whole dialogue about it because I want to say it was surrounding Mike Moustakis. Like, uh, I, th I think that the whole thing was that it was suggested to Moose that he take the qualifying offer and he said no. Like, he wanted to hit free agency. And Scott Boris said, okay, we'll do that. And then it did not pay off for him. <laughs> Man, but yeah. baseball players make a lot of money. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. All right. um, Anything else you want to cover today? No, sir. That's all from me. Nice little, little streamlined episode we got here. Yeah, yeah. Very efficient for us. <laughs> Which is rare. <laughs> for sure. Uh, all right, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at...